to entertain you, we'll sing your songs. Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. And welcome to Christmas 365, uh, the newest of all of the podcasting experiences on Geekscape.net, uh, which is a show between myself and my good buddy, Dylan of Icon versus Icon. What's up, Matt? I am super excited and I am this journey that you sent me on, this George <laughs> Michael filled journey that this you sent movie- me on. This movie is something special. Uh, the episode in which our decision to discuss this movie actually will be dropping on Monday. Uh, so let's go to bring in Joe. Joe! Uh, so, Hi, everyone. So for the people who are hearing this for the first time on the podcast, uh, you already know this story. But for the people watching on the live stream, you don't. Uh, Joe joined us for a discussion of Christmas carols versus Christmas songs. And we got into a conversation about the song Last Christmas. Uh, and while having that conversation, I said, man, we really need to talk about the movie Last Christmas. Uh, and here's the thing about this movie. I, I want it to, as I was trying to say why we needed to talk about it, I was trying to not give away anything about the movie. I don't want this to sound like I'm singing a ringing endorsement for this movie, but this film can only be described as if Hallmark got a film released in theaters. Like that is what this movie is. It is all of the notes of the cheesiest of Hallmark movies, but with like a huge budget cast and, and director and writer. Um, oh, I mean, I would agree. Um, personally, I know once you hit December, all the Whamageddon memes start coming out and everyone's playing the whole, let's uh, try our, our damnedest not to hear last Christmas. But in my mind, it is one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time. And when you, it would not necessarily brought it to my attention that this movie exists, but reminded me that this movie existed because for those of you uh, listening to the podcast, you've heard the, la- the this episode where we spoke about it. Um, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about until I looked it up. And then I remember seeing countless upon countless advertisements for this movie for like two weeks. And then it disappeared um, <laughs> to give my thoughts on it. Well, let's ask a quick question. Yeah. Do we give away the twist now or do we build up to the twist? Yes, give it away because I have things to say about this. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we can't justly talk about this movie unless we give away the twist. And honestly, I knew when the movie had come out, 
all the reviews said the same thing. Like there's a twist, there's a twist. I knew I wasn't making it to the theaters. So when this movie had dropped, I looked the twist up. And when you had, yeah, when you brought this up that we were going to watch the movie, I was like, I don't remember what the twist was. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, I remember what the twist was. (laughs) And then hold on. And then there was a second moment. And I was like, Oh, now I remember what this twist really was. <laughs> so, so my, um, I saw this with my friend Crystal, uh, and at the time, Crystal and I are like the only two single people in our entire circle of friends at this point, and we're both cinephiles that had like AMC Plus and the Regal Plus cards. So we would make it a plan that once a week we would go see a movie together. We'd grab like some food and, and see a movie. Um, and we were like, oh, let's see last Christmas. But I, Crystal was a one movie a week person. I was like a four movie a week person. So at a certain point after watching the trailer a bunch of times, I was like, I think I know what happens in this movie. So when we were having dinner, I was like, I think I may have solved the movie. And she was like, oh, what is it? And I, I told her what I thought the twist was. And then midway through the movie, she leans over and just goes, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, I'm so unable to enjoy this movie because you are absolutely right. And that's all I'm seeing now as I watch it. Uh, Dylan, do you want to explain just a brief version of this movie and, and just the simplest, this happens, this happens. And then we find out this is the case. All right. So we have um, Kate or Katarina as her, as her family calls her. Um, she is a, an expiring an aspiring singer, but is kind of more or less um, a, a screw up. Yeah, um, yeah, is down on her luck, practically homeless. She's moving in and out with friends and constantly losing those friends. At one point, she literally uh, accidentally murders her friend's fish by <laughs> dropping a hair dryer into the tank. Um, and things are just not going well. And she meets this guy named Tom. Um, and Tom is like her guardian angel, so to speak. See, I'm dropping hints. I'm dropping yeah. like <laughs> Tom is like her guardian angel. So he's to just speak. always there when he needs yeah. to be. Yeah. Whenever he needs to be. And fi- we're seeing we're starting to see a change, kind of kind of skipping over because we only have an hour. This movie was an hour and 42 minutes. Um He's he's always around. He's he's bringing her up. You find out that she was sick at one point, and I want to talk about that a little bit later as well. When we find out she was sick, and you find out she had to get a heart transplant, and the big reveal is that the new heart that she has belonged to this guy named Tom, <laughs> and this entire time, this guy she is falling absolutely in love with. Turns out, and it literally just hit me, turns out to be herself that she is falling in love with. Well, it's, it's a ghost. Yeah, it's a ghost, essentially. <laughs> yes, he is um, a ghost. So it is It is so absurd. And it, it's like, but it, but like, here's the thing. I, I kind of love watching this movie. I did like, too. Yeah, because it's like, it's so dumb. It's so absurd. But the comedy actually works more than it doesn't, which is insane. And it's absolutely (laughs) adorable. It is absolutely adorable. And then the twist happens. And I honestly, like, when you find out about the twist, I'm like, oh, snap. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, like I was kind of rooting for them. (laughs) It It does this amazing thing that I love as a movie trope, which is like when you find out that someone was dead the whole time and then it does the flashbacks to multiple scenes from the movie. And it's just like, <laughs> and it just looks completely insane. The what first moment saying. where I was like, I remember the twist was when she was changing. Yeah. And the construction workers are walking by catcalling her. I'm like, I remember this twist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe, you have been very quiet. Did you absolutely hate this movie? This movie is an abomination and a complete <laughs> affront. What? This movie is a complete affront to good taste. <laughs> How dare you force me to watch this film? Um, I, I also, like Dylan, 
like had to figure had to know what the twist was because i was like if maybe i'm not gonna pay money for this but i'll wikipedia it a hot second and read it and i'm like okay that makes sense because i was like i just like to know what the twist is and then still like knowing that watching it i'm like okay like it's cute it's very like it's very emma thompson you know, that's the thing. It's like Emma Thompson co-wrote this. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> Emma, I thank you. I am on the right side of history. Um, Emma Thompson co-wrote this. It was in the capable hands of Paul Feig. Like, it's not... This was a very well-made film. Yeah. But like... No, it looks, it looks beautiful. I, yeah. The thing that's insane to me is like... It's one thing if you're like, we're going to make a movie version of the song Last Christmas and take the lyric, Last Christmas, I gave you my heart super literally. But um, I I don't need it to have every song that George Michaels has ever recorded scattered oh throughout the whole God. fucking movie. You know movie. what I think would have been the, the best, the best Just, movie they could have made? I mean, fall in love with this movie. If every single song was a George Michaels song, except for Faith. And they play and Limp, Limp Biscuits <laughs> cover. <laughs> if I hear Limp Biscuits version of Faith in the middle of this movie, favorite movie of all time. Number one. I mean, you're not wrong. You are not wrong in that regard. First of all, we didn't get nearly enough um, Too Funky, which is like one of my top three George Michael songs. Um, we didn't get any father figure. Um, we got, which I was like, and, and I'm like, wow, what if we took like every, what if this is the first in a series of Paul Feig movies that are all literal interpretations of George Michael lyrics and like father figure is like, you know, flowers in the attic and, and <laughs> that kind of thing. But listen, like it's, it, it was just, it, people have way too much money <laughs> And I think Paul Feig was feeling himself after um, a, a simple favor, which like, don't get me wrong. Like I love a good kind of like comedy campy thing and like a simple favor made like incest, a literal plot point. So I'm just like, you know, Paul Feig can do no wrong, but it was just so like, I don't know. I, I, I guess Hallmark movies work for a couple reasons. And we talked about this in the MFK feed where, like, you know, we have like the woman who has it all together. And the one thing I did appreciate about this was that she did not, she had nothing together. And she, when she has that moment in the apartment where she discloses like her surgery and everything. And she talks about how that all made her feel like you get that reason why. And I really appreciated all of that stuff, but just kind of like all of to, for the entire movie to culminate in her at the end singing like last Christmas. And she says like, and the knowing smirk that she has, you know, I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. And she's like, cause I had a heart transplant and I'm in love with the yeah. ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's like, that's like the insanity of this movie. Cause like, it also sets up, it does that like obnoxious thing where it's also while you're having this love story with a girl and a ghost, um, it's also setting up who's clearly the guy she's going to date instead now that uh, she can't fuck a ghost. So like that, but, and, like but, that, but that guy gets like, tw- like not even 20 lines. minutes. He's in it for like 10 minutes scattered throughout like the not even the second half of the movie like the last <laughs> quarter of the movie where they're throwing this guy in and they're like yeah and we made you like want these two to get together but uh just wait um <laughs> if they had made him if they had made him the first guy that she like goes home from the bar with just to like sleep on his you know in his bed because she has nowhere to live if that guy was the guy who who we want her to be with at the end of it. So that way it was a full arc. Like I would have loved that, but you know, no one's like script doctoring Emma Thompson. Right. So no one has the courage to say, Hey, sense of sensibility. Like, you know, yes. Thank you. This is actually the best way to describe it. It is a black mirror episode with a hallmark filter over it. It's, it, 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 it kind of, it has like the, um, that one black mirror episode from, I think season one with, um, with uh Haley with Agent Carter and um and General Hux. I forget their real names, but they it has that kind of like supernatural but like also technology in it. So but again, like you're not you're not gonna script Doctor like Emma Emma Thompson. So 
it would be more it would have made more sense since like oh so the guy that she was with is the guy that we want her to be with at the end yeah i mean and the thing that bothers me in this movie like i don't hate kate as much as uh derek apparently did in the comments yeah i saw that comment and i will just say right now um matt that's a hundred percent an episode we're gonna have to do is happiest season because i have got some things to say about yeah i got some thoughts i got some thoughts we could record that soon um but i i think that like i think now obviously it might be blinders because amelia clark is just a very charming person but like even with how much I find her charming and I like her character sort of, um, it's a real hard battle to win uh, once she openly outs her sister just out of malice. Like that is a tough, that is a tough hurdle for me to get over for my heroine in the movie. Like that is, that's like yeah. a big, uh, that's fucked up. They really moment. did like, like, Yes, there's no growing pa- going past that. But even if that didn't happen, they really held off on the growth of Kate again till like the last quarter of the movie. Like yeah. she was still not a great person, like for 90% of this film. I there was one moment where when she was doing good, when she had the sign and she's walking out to sing in front of the homeless shelter. None of the people in line who were homeless nor the guy saw the front of that sign. Yeah. So to them, it just looked like she's coming out here to make some bucks <laughs> singing in front of this homeless shelter. <laughs> and she just turns around and looks and they're all like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you. Uh, so, you know what? That brings up an interesting thought because here's the thing that kind of bothers me. And like, I mean, I am not a singer. I I like to sing, but I'm not a singer. But for someone whose entire career path is they are an amazing singer, she is not a strong singer in this movie. No. No. (laughs) No. And And that's what I say is I'm like, no. And they try to like, they try to like cover it up with this like, you know, just my heart hasn't been in it ever since the heart transplant. And it's like, no, you just you you casted an actress and then found out that she's a very middle of the road singer at best and, and had to figure like, out a way to write around it. There's a spotlight on it when she goes to do Last Christmas at the end because it doesn't even sound like her anymore. <laughs> like the the amount the amount she was singing early in the movie sounded like a completely different person. It mm-hmm. was like, no, we're doing Last Christmas. We gonna help you out, girl. <laughs> but we do have to talk about there for all of the bad that is in this movie. Her boss is the highlight oh of my this gosh. film. Santa, Santa is so. Yeah. When I, early on, she has a line where she makes a comment about not wanting Kate to die in the store, and she's like, "Oh, that's sweet." And she goes, "No, I just don't have enough tinsel to cover up your corpse," <laughs> which is just she's savage. She's savage the whole movie, and it's so enjoyable to watch it, she's savage yeah. but she also cares like and i love that like you can tell she's a genuinely like good person even though she's like like come on girl you need to get your shit together but she's well, still like like the breaking in scene when dude i was just about to say yeah. this, this mm-hmm. movie has such good heartfelt moments and it's almost what makes it more frustrating is that they're not in a better overall movie but yeah like that scene is is absolutely incredible where she straight up says like you made me break the law and I'm still going to give you one more chance, but like, that's it. Like we're done. If you fuck me over again, basically. So, and I came into this saying that like, I actually enjoyed this movie. It's not something I'm going to put on every single year. It's not going to become something I watch all the time, but I genuinely enjoyed it. I thought it was adorable. I thought it was cute. And I honestly think I would have enjoyed it more if they would have just, you know, like done the same thing, done the thing that everyone does. Cause that's what I want this time of year. Honestly, I don't need that twist. I don't need, he was dead the whole time. Like I was like, these two are genuinely good for each other. I like the fact that he's like, you don't need to depend on me like that, that whole plot line, which is crazy because no, technically she does need to depend on you. It's your heart. But I mean, (laughs) I, 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 I would have, preferred like you know what screw it they kiss and then they live happily ever after 
Yeah. The the other thing with this movie is that it I think it's trying to do so much. Like yeah. like cuz it's trying to do the whole Brexit thing and it's just like Yeah, I that was it, weird. But that belongs in a whole different movie. I don't need that in my my last Christmas ghost Christmas romance movie. <laughs> it, it's these are the things that it's trying to do. It's trying to do Brexit. It's trying to do lesbian uh, closeted lesbian, high achieving lawyer. It's trying to do immigrant parents. It's trying to do the mom has depression. It's trying to do like you know she's a fuck up. It's trying to do um, homelessness and all of this stuff. And I'm like, there's there's so much happening here that like when I had like I had no idea about like Emma Thompson's character, or whatever, because she didn't come up in any of the any of the trailers that I saw. But when she opens her mouth and it's like, oh my god, she's Russian! Like that's and that's the whole thing. <laughs> like the yeah. whole like I'm like, or she, you know, she's um for former Yugoslavia, but I think she says Croatia um later. And so I'm like, oh, so she's coming from like because they they had to flee the war, and I was like, wow, there's a lot going on here, which like maybe you could extrapolate that and say that like this is all the stuff that we have at the time of the holidays but i mean we didn't need any of that um and that's i mean that's like breaking the cardinal rule of a christmas movie which like christmas movies you got to keep that shit simple yeah <laughs> I don't that's know. what i'm saying like just give me guy meets girl they fall in love i'm good with it i like the characters pick I one like of those things yeah. yeah, pick one of those things. We didn't need like. Did we need like Emma Emma Thompson's like Russian accent? No. Did we need no. um, the father who like is a lawyer but like is not a lawyer anymore and now drives a cab everywhere just to escape his like daily life? No, we didn't need any of this. I mean, and yes, that- it's good texture, but no, we didn't need any of it. The whole, like, divorce thing wasn't even touched on ever again. She rode in the back of the car. He said that, like, he didn't enjoy being there. Never talked about it again. Ever was it discussed. I think what this movie needed was we needed to go hang out with the neighbor, Dick, who has his fucking house all decorated mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Because we needed to go hang out with him. I want a yeah. last Christmas, too, where we're hanging out. Just about Dick, sells. And uh, Dick means I, penis. I don't know if you all knew this. Dick, Dick, oh my god that I mean, that scene it was like a family guy joke like it started funny and then it just kept going and like the classics this the classic family guy structure uh one thing that still makes me laugh it made me laugh when i saw it in theaters and it made me laugh when i watched the, the it makes me laugh that, that I, you saw this in theaters like that's all this me- <laughs> and then i bought it i i went out and bought it and said oh, yes i want it i want to do it, it. But it, we had this discussion earlier where it literally feels like you should be watching this on a Sunday afternoon on Hallmark. Yeah, like, it's but like one of the things that still makes me laugh in this movie, uh, and it's such a dumb, dumb thing, is the, the Christmas monkey decoration. Dude, like, I want that so I, bad. My note says yeah. I want a le- I want a last Christmas monkey decoration. All right, I, I also want that monkey. Who, that was really great. As the person on uh, Christmas 365 who does uh, research on the go, I will discover if that Christmas monkey <laughs> exists. I'm sure I mean, someone on Etsy has made it. I, I'll say this much. It, as we're talking about things that we would rather this movie do, if this movie never left the Christmas store, I would be so content because I love that. I like, I just wanted to be in that store the whole movie. Like yeah. it, they, they did such a good job of juggling plot line in that store so much better than they did the second that anyone stepped out of that building into the real world <laughs> that like, yeah, just like hang out in the store. And it makes more sense if Tom's just always dropping by the store as she's closing up. Like you could have done so much more and kept it almost entirely in those under in those four walls. Uh, and it probably would have been visually more interesting because there's not a lot for them to shoot when they're out in the streets, uh, like just standing outside of the same building, singing to the homeless. Like, yeah, there's not many like actual like sets in this movie at all. Like we we have the Christmas store, and then we have in front of the homeless shelter, inside the homeless shelter, the parents' house, and then the small apartment that we spend like a few seconds in, where the big reveal is. Um, but here's here's your big reveal. There is no. Um, 
last Christmas monkey ornament on Etsy, but there is a very poorly done Wham! Last Christmas t-shirt that has the (laughs) last Christmas single album cover. And I didn't know what I was getting you guys for Christmas, but I actually just ordered three. So you're welcome. (laughs) Well, Thank you so much. Well, thank you for uh, that. So, yeah, that's good Good stuff to know about. Uh, I mean, this will, well, who cares? It might not make sense on the podcast, but uh, we did just hit $1,000 on the live stream. Uh, hey, thank you awesome. to, uh, you know, I'm giving a shout out to Brian Kelly, my brother. Not only did he crush a couple of great commercials, but he did make the most recent donation that pushed us over that $1,000 mark or to that $1,000 mark. Uh, let's see if... If in this last hour and a half, you know, can we get that 2000? I mean, I don't want to be a pessimist, but probably not. But uh, I, I still would love to see us just keep getting as close as we can uh, for Big Brother, Big Sister. Um, so, hey, just like a heart transplant that will have a ghost following you forever. This is the season for miracles, Matt. Did you so. guys know that there's an alternate ending to this movie? Because it was for me, but no, I did not. <laughs> so, so there's an alternate ending that is on the DVD that I watched. Um, and the movie ends. Is she the ghost? No, 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 no. It's not like, it's not even like an alternate ending. I would say it's like an extended ending, I guess, is that it jumps to six months later and Kate has found a new career running a, a company called look up in which she gives people a tour of the city and shows them all of the cool architecture that's up in the sky. Okay. The blank faces in silence speaks <laughs> volumes. Wow. Well, I'm glad that they, I'm glad that they did not go with that ending. Yeah, they're like, they're like, oh, you've got depression. Well, let me cure it. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> Look up, everyone. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. It all just started from a bird crapping in her oh, eye. Oh my god! Like when at the moment he said like "Look up," and I'm like, oh my gosh, is this going to be like? This is very. The fault in our stars, you know. <laughs> this is very like yeah. that kind of thing. Um, I I have a like. First of all, we have a Patty Lapone cameo in the first like ten minutes, fifteen minutes of this, and that is just the like. How much money did they have to spend to get Patty Lapone to do this? Um, yeah. Like that's just insane. The ins- the in uh, the insanity of that amount of money. Um, it also like I know exactly when they filmed this because she was in she was doing like uh, her um, she was on Broadway or no not in the West End doing Company which so like back to um, Kate's whole thing about like wanting to be a singer like you had an audition in the West End like her she had two auditions in the West End or I think no the second one is like on Ice and it's like come on like you the West end is the like UK equivalent of Broadway. And here you are. And like, this is what's happening. Like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I don't get any of this. Um, I mean, the thing, voice, I, none of it. The thing I was most distracted by during those audition scenes was, or actually I guess preparing for the audition scenes is, um, I don't know how much you guys have ice skated, but do you remember the first time you went ice skating? Because that was not that girl's first time going ice skating. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, God. And then, like, we kind of jumped over the very beginning, but, like, they shove, so the, the beginning of the movie is she's at a bar, guy picks her up, she wakes up the next morning in his bed, he's going to go get her some crazy breakfast from down the, down the street, says, go use the shower. While she's in the shower, the guy's actual girlfriend shows up. Yes. And the girl throws open the shower curtain, and in about 15 seconds we get a full exposition monologue about everything that you need to know about kate's character just spat out at rapid fire about how much of a screw-up she is and that this is like kind of par for the norm for her and blah blah blah. like it is insane how much exposition is shoved into like a single run-on sentence to entertain you we'll sing your song hey there 
Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. In this movie, and that's kind of the tone of the rest of the film, is that it there's very little show <laughs> there's very little show not tell in this movie. It is telling you exactly how to feel. Even to, and this is embarrassing, we, we bring up this on every episode, the, the old did you cry question. Um, and it, it shames me that I did get a tear at this line. But even this line is so t- telling instead of showing is right before she sings last Christmas, she gives this speech and she just says, helping each other is what makes us happy. And like, that is a very, I got you. it's a sweet sentiment. But it's also like, yeah, we get it, movie. Like, we understand what your thesis is. But I mean, technically, it did its job, man. It got you to tear up. And I'm not going to lie. I definitely teared up during this movie. It's it's got those moments. It it, it has those manufactured moments where you're like, I'm supposed to tear up here. And you know what? I did. It's Patch Adams. It's Patch Adams. I always think of Patch Adams uh, in the movie Cecil B. Demented by John Waters where they storm into a screening of Patch Adams. Uh, they're, they're cinematic terrorists in the movie. Uh, they're trying to take down uh, what they consider to be bad cinema. And they uh, storm a, a screening of Patch Adams, and they just keep screaming, just because it makes you cry doesn't mean that it's good. Uh, and that is that is less Christmas uh, to a T. <laughs> like, I mean, it would have been better. Uh, I mean, like, I'm glad that there was restraint in the fact that, like, they didn't, like, add comma, and that is the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I was you know. dying when you were talking about that on the MFK Ultimate episodes, because, like, absolutely, they shove the that is the true meaning of Christmas message into so many Hallmark movies. Yeah, and I mean, it, it would have fit in perfect here. There's going back to like the talking, the the exposition, the constant just spattering out of exposition. When she first tells him about her surgery, I don't know if I missed a line or what, but it sounded like she was talking about a sickness that she had like as a kid or as like a teenager. So that's like not where I put everything together. I was like, this sounds like something that happened way long ago. And then in my head, I'm like, well, the song is last Christmas. So it had, and then I felt like that reveal. I was like, it just seemed like there was just, there was a lot of mix. And I think it goes back to what you were saying, where they were trying to rush literally everything in this movie. And we still got an hour and 43 minute running time. Like, like even with all the rush. And it's so insane because like, I imagine being a writer in Hollywood, and someone comes to you and they said, hey, we bought the rights to the song Last Christmas by George Michaels, and we're thinking about making a movie based on it. And the one thing that I would never think is, well, let's really analyze the lyrics and get as literal as we can with this. Like, it's like, all right, it's Last Christmas. It's just going to be a love story. End of sentence. Like, yeah, we'll just make a love story. Like, to sit down and be like, huh, I gave you my heart. <laughs> like just insane in it's, it's a you know it, it's a baller move it's a you know that, that's like emma thompson just whipping her dick on the table and being like i'm doing this you can't stop me and the, and then, the, <laughs> the, the twist portion isn't even the craziest thing in the movie if so you get to the very end 
And the people at the homeless shelter, um, along with Kate, are all putting on this this talent show, basically. And you get to the end, and everybody that was in the movie is at the talent show. Why is the guy that was selling the apartment at the talent show? Okay, so I actually really love that trope of movies where it's like, at the end, everyone comes together. And like the realtor is there and everything. Like why? But I, I love that. So I did enjoy that part. Let's talk about the realtor for a second, because this character is written like he is fucking um, Jack Lennon in uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Like this dude is making a sale. Nothing is stopping him. He has no clue who this woman is nope. or why she's here, but he's just like, Hey, so uh, let's give a tour of the apartment while, while you're here. Like he is and just he's like, all like and we're it. done. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. we have a, a squatter. There was yeah. a squatter here. Yeah, like a reeks of desperation on the sale. B not even good at selling the place. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, not at all. You would think he would have known at least the name of the person. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how that kind of realty works. Um, he said, the guy's been yeah. dead for a year and he hasn't opened a cupboard to find a phone yet. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, someone did not clean like and that's like very <laughs> plain and apparent where it's like, oh, the phone was in the cupboard. I'm like, yeah, it's just been sitting there for a year. <laughs> also, Tom might be a ghost, but Kate's not. And she just waltzed into this house and then spent a night there. And so, like, like, did she cuddle herself? Was she sitting in the fetal <laughs> position like that? And her abs must be insanely like toned because she was literally sitting there. She kissed herself. Like I'm like I'm now. Now you're getting me questioning this. No, I right. like this movie. I no. like it. So, so I do have a question for us because uh, this is one that I bounce back and forth between in my head all the time, and I think I've landed on what I believe to be true. But Tom is ghost. Or manifestation of Katie's subconscious? Oh, I think now I'm going to go with manifestation. Like, I didn't even think about it until now. And see, I think yeah. ghost. I think really I, it's ghost. I, it's got to be ghost. Because Christmas, yeah. I mean, a Christmas carol, the ghosts of different, you know, like, I think that's kind of where that, where Emma Thompson may or may not be drawing the line there, but I think it's very much because then because when she realizes it and she has her like, you know, fight club realization that she was by herself the whole time, um, she goes back to the park and he's there and he's all like, she's like, why can't I feel you? And it's like, well, because like I'm in like, and it's just so weird. It's like, because I'm inside you, like, I'm like, and this yeah. is all really strange. Like there's a lot the of really, yeah, it's whole weird. I, I think it has, I mean, I agree with that. It has to be ghost because it's it's too much for her subconscious to know where his old apartment was, to know about the, the phone, bench that's the dedicated phone, the to. Phone is yeah. what's selling me on the. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I like mean, it's just. Yeah, it'd be different if she was just like stumbling, like she just kind of came to the conclusion on her own, and she didn't have to like discover these important pieces of who he was before he died. But like the the fact that there's so much of his old life that she finds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only other way is like we're like getting into some type of weird fucking Black Mirror thing where like the heart retains memory. <laughs> and like, but uh, and we yeah, don't need that. We don't need that. Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah. This isn't a movie that's getting added to my regular rotation, but this would. This is a movie I'd throw on in like mid November. Like, like this just is, to watch in the back, throw on in the background. Because there's not kind of a lot like um, Let It Snow. There's not like an overwhelming amount of Christmas. No, here. it's just a winter movie, really. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that this is one of those movies where it's, uh, you know, we all have like different movies for different things. And like, this is like a, hey, I'm going to throw this on in the background while I'm like cleaning the house um, or like getting decorations put out like. I'm not going to sit down and put my full attention on this movie, but I'm going to hear a couple jokes and it's going to remind me of things and I'm going to chuckle to myself or like I'll hear a George Michael song that I love and I'll smile or maybe sing along. But like yeah, the, the movie is best enjoyed with the least amount of investment that's put into yeah. it. Really, uh, the, the only other scene that I really want to give a shout out to uh, is that this guy right here, 
loves himself uh, some goofy montage audition sequences. And this movie gives us just the most delightful assortment of homeless people auditioning for a talent show that you could ever ask for. The one guy's uh, rendition of Blue Christmas by Elvis. Oh, it's beautiful. It's killer. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. Did, uh, did anyone else um, hear a little bit of Daenerys Targaryen when she starts speaking Russian? Like, yes. I was yeah. like, oh, that's hot. That sounds like High Valerian. Like, <laughs> okay, so uh, God, we're going back to the Brexit stuff. It's so frustrating because, like, again, it's is it overstuffed? Absolutely. It doesn't make any sense why this is shoved into this movie. And it barely even like scratches the surface of what Brexit was besides it just kind of being there for like two or three plot points. But then I'm also really, really touched when everyone's treating the two people like shit on the bus. And then she talks to them in her native language and they have this really heartfelt moment. Like, like it's like, it does like it uses what it's putting in there for emotional beats. They're just emotional beats that we don't actually really need in this movie. Yeah. It, I mean, that was a sign of her, of her growth. Of course. Yeah, she wouldn't be, she was Kate. She exactly. wouldn't be Katrina or Kat, Katrina. Or yeah. really so, I mean, I agree that, like the entire the the Brexit stuff just confused me. Like I was like, why why are we doing this right now? And like again, <laughs> like you said, unneeded. But at the same time, that scene is probably one of my favorites in the whole movie. Is when she starts speaking Russian and she's like, "It's okay, you're supposed to be here. We're all supposed to be here." Um, favorite scene in the whole movie, but it's backed by a plot line that I just feel like is unneeded but we are also arguing what plot lines are unneeded in last well, christmas <laughs> i mean it's because it's like a mixtape of like 10 different hallmark yeah movies. it is, it is. <laughs> look fellas what it comes down to is that last christmas is the turducken of christmas movies it like there's a chicken like there's stuff stuffed stuff all stuffed but like people do enjoy it I mean, I would never, but like people do enjoy it. So, you know, let people have, it'll be a part of somebody's tradition or whatever. You know, people will watch it every year because it means something. I can only imagine what it means for people who like actually have gone through that kind of like surgery. But like, you know, it's like a turducken. Like, you know, I'll have it once and then, you know, never again. But do you think there are people who have like who've had heart transplants and they watch this movie and they're like, oh, my God, that happened to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, Joe, there's a lot of reasons why I wanted you to be on this particular discussion. Uh, I mean, beyond just the fact that it came up naturally on the episode that you were on prior. Um, but I, I think a, a, at least a little dash of it is that uh, and you did bring this up with Paul Fig uh, and, and a, a simple favor. But like. There's also that element where it just feels so campy. He has to know. Yeah. He has to know mm-hmm. that he's not making a good movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. This is where, like, with Paul Fig and, like, this is where I'm like, you are Mr. Poole from Sabrina the Teenage Witch from TGIF. Like, this is, like, he approaches, like, this is where that approach comes in. And I'm like, okay, we get it. This is very campy. You are, you are a comedian. You are in on this joke. And what happens when you give someone who like that, like more money to just do this huge, big budget thing. Um, So like on that note, it's like, I do love it. Like, yes, you gave me like, you gave me um, Michelle Yeoh as this very like, you know, mysterious and very um, sassy, like shop owner. Um, you gave me Patty Lapone in like a cameo that was five minutes long. You gave me Emma Thompson. Like you gave me all of these, like, you know, I mean, I love the divas. I love, I love a, I love a good, you know, woman of stage and screen, but like there was just so much and there was, it, it was just too much at the same time that you just didn't know where to go. And I found myself kind of like spacing out a little bit in between things because it's like, I don't necessarily know what is what's happening like yeah. and yeah and then that's and that's kind of where my thing is because like and i was just i was just telling dylan before we got on that like the last couple days have been like my i'm now starting to really like seek out 
Christmas movies and stuff and, and holiday movies. And I just watched like all of Dash and Lily like yesterday. So I'm like, I know. And I'm like really in this, like, okay, I get it. It's very like, I get what it's trying to do. I know I'm having, it's having this effect on me because like, it's totally like, this is something that it's made for. And then like last Christmas, you would think that like, I was expecting, I went in with like, I am going to enjoy this. And I was really shocked that I didn't. And that's why I was like, okay, I was really shocked. Even though I knew the twist already, I knew what people were saying about it. And I was like, I'm just ready because it's like Michelle Yeoh, it's uh, it's Emma Thompson, how can we go wrong? And I was really sh- surprised at how much I did it. But again, like it does have its moments where it pulls you in. And I just feel like if there, if there was maybe a little bit more editing, if someone went up to Emma and was like, you know, Miss Thompson, like, Sense and Sensibility, you have an Oscar for, that's great. But remember, Love Actually, like, <laughs> let's go back to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I want, I wanted to enjoy this. I don't even know if I'll, like, see this again. Um, and I don't like being that person who like doesn't like things, but I like I'm like you know I really didn't like it's like I really didn't no like no it. no I I think I think that that's like I I think that this is one of those uh, those movies where it's like you can love it and you'd be right you could hate it and you'd be right yeah. and you could be right in the middle and you'd be right because it it's really just like it's a matter of like what are you walking into it for. Yeah. What is it? What does it mean to you? You know, and again, that's what that's what the holidays are all about. It's what it's what meaning does it have for you? And that's the true meaning. And that's the true meaning. (laughs) I will say though that like the that that line that made you tear, Matt. The like this is what Christmas. You know, it's about helping each other. I think like that is the most succinct way to like have the the true meaning of Christmas message that I've ever heard in a movie. Like, you know, it's, is it about like, you know, oh, the town came together to save the high school from being closed by the big corporate development? Like, you know, but it didn't like specifically say like, this is, it's about helping other people. And I, and I was talking about an MFK where it's like, you know, the, the holidays are fraught for a lot of people because there's that huge, that's, there's that religious component that's really tied in, um, especially to Christmas. And so when you put it in that way, I'm like, oh, like, so is this like a secular humanist way of like justifying uh, Christmas, um, Christmas stuff? And, and for that, I really appreciated it. So like, to me, it ended, it, as long as I'm like, I'm glad they didn't do the alternate ending. Um, but like, it ended the way that like, I'm like, okay, it softened the landing for me. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm really no, glad you brought that up. It's it's funny because because I think uh, as we're talking about the, uh, you know, jokingly saying, oh, the true meaning of Christmas. But like very recently, and it'll be on this on the podcast stream in two weeks, I think we did a breakdown of the first three community Christmas episodes. And we were talking about the Abed's unescapable Christmas uh, special or whatever. And, you know, there's two lines back to back that are amazing lines in that special. And the one is Abed says um, the true meaning of Christmas is that we believe that Christmas has a meaning. Yeah, Christmas has meaning. <laughs> like, which is a really great line. And then the the line that I said, like, is the line that sometimes when I even try to say it, I start to get choked up because I think it's so beautiful. But it's the line of Christmas is the insane belief that some of the longest, darkest and lonely nights can still be the warmest and brightest. And like, if that doesn't like sum up, like when you meet people who are hardcore Christmas fans, if that isn't just like the the beacon of like what it is that draws us to it, yeah. is that like, yeah, it is dark all the time. Some of us are like trapped, especially this year. We're trapped in our houses. We are lonely. We are disconnected from our friends. We're disconnected from our family members. We're disconnected from everything that means something to us. But I can put on fucking the bishop's wife or uh it's it's a wonderful life or any of these like classic classic christmas movies and feel nothing but hope and positivity for the future and like that is what this time of the year feels like to me is that that belief that there is always going to be something better over the hump 
Exactly. And it's, yeah. it, it can be movies. It can be uh, an example that I have is a couple weeks ago, I just didn't have a good day at work. And thankfully I live um, in a very small town um, and they kind of do it up for Christmas. And there's like a full like light village. I think I sent you guys pictures of it. Yeah. Um, and I just took a walk over there and like j- every problem that I had just washed away. Like, it's little things like that. Like just looking at lights, dude. Like I love this time of year. And I think it speaks volumes uh, going back to that line that like December 26th is my least favorite day of the year. Every yeah. single year, December 26th is my least favorite day. And not because like I'm pulling things down, but everybody around me is like kind of pulling <laughs> their stuff down. They're, they're all done. I'm like, nah, man, like can we just keep doing this? Like can we just... <laughs> Keep and, and not just like the manufactured part of Christmas, but can we just like keep being sweet to one another? Like keep doing stuff for each other. Like, like why do we have to wait till this time of year to be like, hey man, I I, yeah. I got I picked this up for you, or, or hey man, like like let me help you out or something like that. It is the season of giving. Like why do we have to wait till this time of year? And yeah. I think that's why we're such big fans of this time of year. Like I love the stuff around it. Don't get me wrong. We love the commercialization of Christmas. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I yeah, will no, go to the store uh, right no, now. Sure, and- sure. I, listen, I have anybody who follows me on Instagram knows I have been just diving deep into the commercialization of Christmas. Uh, yeah. So I agree with you, but it's just funny to say it out loud because so many people yeah. rally against it. I mean, like, I, my girlfriend and I will be in the store all the time and I'll see something to be like, I don't need that, but it's got Santa on it and I kind of <laughs> want it like, like in the cereal aisle. And I'll be like, I'll grab this, this, this box of Christmas crunch really needs to go home with us right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just love it. That can of Coke with Santa Claus on it tastes a whole lot better than the cans of Coke that do not have Santa Claus. With your name on it. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, share a Coke with Dylan. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that we have uh, really said all that needs to be said about last Christmas at this point. Is this, so, what, is this the part where Joe and I start arguing about better watch out? Because we have. No, <laughs> no, no, we'll save that for later. Uh, but yeah, so. <laughs> So real quick, Joe, as always, uh, thank you. You're, I mean, you're the first two-time guest on the show. I don't think that that's going to be the end of your visitations because there's no. <laughs> I mean, we've had some great, we've had some great people on this show, but you definitely capture that same just manic, uh, positive energy that this show is supposed to have. Uh, so real quick, I'm going to throw you up on the screen and let you tell people about all of the stuff that you've got going on between MFK and Fright School. And just, you know, even like you do weird shit like, you know, you for a while you were prescribing people OC episodes. I know I was doing so. <laughs> I was doing that. Um, so mainly you can find me on uh, Fright School on all social media. That's my uh, podcast that I do with my friend Joshua, where we talk about horror movies, particularly movies that I've never seen from like a more academic standpoint. Um, I also co-host um, at um, Art Time of the Month, which is a monthly arts and culture podcast with my friend Wendy. And of course, on the Geekscape Network, I have um, my other, po- my third podcast, like I need, you know, m- I need, I'm trying to catch up to Matt, basically. Um, my third podcast is MFK Ultimate, where with my friend Delia, we play uh, Mary Fuck Kill with uh, Abstract Concepts. Uh, earlier in the stream, we did it with Christmas stuff. Um, and there's plenty of other stuff that I do as well. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to my friend Siobhan, who I know is listening because I recommended uh, Christmas 365 to her because she literally does keep Christmas in her heart and in her home 365 days of the year. And she wanted me to tell both of you that she adores the podcast, wants to just hang out with you and give you both very warm hugs. So shout out to her. Um, you have, you have, already. you have at least two fans <laughs> in San Diego. I love Yay. it. Uh, and Joe, uh, last time you were on the show, we weren't doing this yet, but we do now end every episode with a, uh, a Dylan, I believe you described it as like a Christmas pick of the week. Yeah. Essentially something that you may have discovered or rediscovered uh, in your just experience that you say, you know what? 
this is this is a thing that I'm going to carry with me from for every December from here on out. Do you have anything that you've discovered, and why is it uh, last Christmas from 2019? <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking to me? You, for, for yeah, 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 to you. Um, yeah, to so you for... I have to say that, like, um, I I think it's going to be Dash and Lily for me. Um, I, it was really good. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. I know it's based on a YA thing, and I always go in there with a little bit of, you know, um, with a little bit skepticism, but I thought it was really good, and I thought it was really fun, and it's just, like, I normally hate, like, not hate, but, like, I normally really dislike um, movies or television that, like, where New York is the third character, like, New York is an extra character, and for this one, it, like, it didn't make me hate it as much. Um, like I appreciated the fact that they had like real places and it was so nice to just like escape for a minute to a city that I desperately want to go back to and visit. So um, yeah. Dash and Lily for me. My only beef with that is that I don't know why it wasn't just a movie like the episode like it's 10 episodes, but like the episodes are like 15, 20 minutes long. Like I was like, you probably could have just made this a nice like two hour flick and called it a day. But uh, all right, Dylan, you had one that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so first off, I'm gonna have to check out Dash and Lily because I'm actually completely unfamiliar. Where can I? It's, it's on Netflix, Netflix, and it came out this year. So, okay. like, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's from the writer of Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Okay, so it's so. very much yeah, it's Chris, it's Christmas <laughs> Nick and Nora basically. Nice, I like it. All right, so my pick um, comes from the crew at uh, Game Chops. Game Chops is kind of a music collective. They put out different artists' music. Um, usually in the video game genre. That's why they're called Game Chops. Uh, a lot of artists will create like lo-fi hip-hop and trip-hop versions of video game so- songs. Um, the one that I picked this week is called Video Game Xmas. Um, it's put out by T. Lopez, T-E-E-L-O-P-E-S, and Game Chops. And it's literally, this guy took video game songs and Christmas songs mashed them together and made like chill hip hop remixes of them. So you have like deck the bros, which is a mixture of deck the halls and the Mario brothers theme and different songs from the Mario brothers, Carol of the lost woods. So you got Carol of bells and the lost woods from legend of Zelda. Um, It's a five song EP. It's only 14 minutes long, but I highly recommend it. Um, However, I would recommend like just sitting on the couch and chilling and listen to it because it is something you'll get lost in. And it is something that like, you'll start to like kind of just drown out. Like it, it will put you to sleep, like honestly, but in like a good way, like it chills you out. Uh, and I mentioned it briefly, uh, already on this episode but uh my friend sean and i have a yearly christmas tradition that went for four years where the local vintage movie theater near us uh would always play a different old christmas movie and we would grab dinner and then see a christmas movie together and the rule was that it always had to be a movie that at least one of us had never seen before so the first two years it was movies that i had never seen so we watched white christmas Uh, And then we saw Miracle on 34th Street. And then the following year was It's a Wonderful Life because my friend Sean had never seen that. Um, Obviously, we weren't going to any movie theaters. And I haven't actually seen Sean since last Christmas when we did this. So I uh, drove to his house. Uh, We ordered a pizza and he made me watch The Bishop's Wife for the first time. And I was absolutely charmed by that movie. I now need to go see The Preacher's Wife to see if the uh, 90s version holds up. Uh, oh, Joe's react. I think I know what Joe will be the third episode of this podcast. Uh, but that is my big shout out, guys. Thank you so much for bringing 365 to the live stream. Uh, you know, we're we're the baby of of Geekscape, but uh, we are a very strong, mighty baby. Uh, so, <laughs> we're a uh, gigantic Christmas baby, and I love it. <laughs> oh, whoa. listening to the Geekscape Network.
to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 